Welcome to the pilot podcast on the horizon with Mark. Mark Leathers here, your host. We're going to do a little round table to introduce everybody. Oh, uh, this is Kyle, row eater. Be a guest every once in a while. What do you do, Kyle? I would do row construction. Hi, I'm Mark Leathers Jr., and I'm Mark Leathers' son, and... I think that's the longest. And he's a, and he's a child. He does, has no occupation. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in here, beverage industry. Uh, let's get this rolling. Yeah. So uh, we're here today. We're gonna just had us a good meal and have a couple cold ones. And uh, the basis of this show, we're gonna do a little bit of everything, but we're gonna try to focus around uh, hunting, at outdoors activities along with a lot of other things that we might just go down the rabbit hole on. So, uh, first off, let's talk about what we just ate. Had a little bit of uh, tater tot casserole. Pretty delicious, what do you think? Yeah. Definitely got to send that recipe to everyone here. Not bad for an amateur. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> food always good, but it's always good when it's really good. Yeah. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll kick off by just telling couple hunting stories so uh we'll uh we'll ask the newest hunter of the group Kyle. we'll we'll talk to mark and talk let him tell uh, a hunting story uh tell tell us about the the hunting we did today well the hunting today was not very great that i would say because all we did was walk up and down and sweating just walking downhill. <laughs> Did you have and, to walk back and, up and, the hill at some point? And then we sweated coming back up the hill. So we went on a little uh, bear bear hunting adventure today to a piece of property we hadn't been to yet. And we were definitely in bear area. No more than just a few feet off the side of the road, there's a just giant pile of bear scat that is nothing but blueberries. So this, this bear was living high on the hog and the size of it it definitely most likely is a pretty good size bear mark what kind of bear do we got in the area black bears ah. looking for black bears yeah so uh, so a property we'd never been to before we basically just out on an afternoon get out in the woods session kind of getting our legs prepped for elk hunting and realized yep. that we need to do a lot more exercising definitely because my legs were burning a lot <laughs> wait till you throw on a pack yeah oh he had his backpack on him but but yeah it was a nice little hunt didn't didn't see an animal but it's definitely a good area to be in and pretty good <laughs> you're doing fine bud all right um Kyle. You know what I am curious about since we're talking about black bears, since I haven't gone out hunting for them, is uh, how big they can get. Um, black bears in this area, the it's such a f- fairly dense pop- population of people, but there surprisingly is a, quite a few black bears in the area. Um, I have harvested a bear in this area before, and it was probably a two-year-old bear, so it wasn't 
too big. Probably two or three hundred pounds. Yeah, no, not, not even that. Even. It it was probably boned out, maybe seventy pounds of meat. Not too bad. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Eating bear, I haven't shot a bear. Uh, that that's a good topic right there. So I, you hear a lot of you hear a lot of people talk about bears being greasy. We so the bear that I shot, it has the availability to eat both fish and berries, and we processed it ourselves. Um, it was the first ac- actual animal that I processed myself because we didn't didn't financially we couldn't afford to take it to a processor. So we're like, you know what, we're just going to cut it up and, and and cooked it up. And the kids were fairly young, and the kids loved it. I love that. Never really had a greasy taste to it um you know obviously the number one thing you got to be concerned with with bears is trichinosis and so you got to make sure you cook it good and now that's a word that i haven't heard before so let's talk about trichinosis trichinosis that is a uh, i believe i don't believe it's a disease it's a Oh, oh, I Let's fact check that. <laughs> I, I so, so trick. So, yeah, fact check that. So, we got we got we got Brad on the the Google machine over here. I don't know. Some of the best bear I've had was the summer sausage out of it. Yeah. Because it, it's got just the right amount. Yeah. Keeps it nice. You know, you know, summer sausage and stew is a lot of good saying, things. I've but I've had bear stew and it seemed to be kind of like when you cook up uh, beef in a sense. It yeah. Tends it's, to fall oh, apart and all that fat oh, yeah. cooks out of it, so you don't really ever notice anything gamey, fatty, yeah. anything weird. Um, so trichinella, uh, basically. Trichinosis. Trichinella. Oh. Is a parasite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Becomes infected with it. It looks like it is called trichinosis and it becomes a disease that people can get by eating raw or undercooked meat and animals that are infected with the microscopic parasite trichinella. Oh. Uh, um, there's a little backstory to that that I didn't know. If you Learned are <laughs> symptoms, if you are somebody that has eaten an infected piece of meat, uh, you may what initially experience eight? gastrointestinal symptoms as diarrhea, cramping, nausea, and vomiting. Followed by fever, muscle pain, spatial swelling, and fatigue. So it's a lot like COVID. <laughs> What's oh. COVID? Let's not, get, let's, not get, <laughs> let's not get into the COVID. Hey, you did say rabbit holes. <laughs> that's, that's the best part. So, uh, I'm going to fill that rabbit hole up with dirt, and we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but, no, I, uh, bear hunting, uh, I haven't done a whole lot of dedicated bear hunting the bear that i harvested i was actually deer hunting and that's one of the things in oregon that that fall bear season coincides with most other big game hunts in the in the state so i never i have only done a handful of dedicated let's go out and look for a bear but like today no i got today i've got a couple people down the road that might want to come in and talk about some bear hunting that do it yeah very much as, as much as they can. I mean, they're out there just the other weekend doing it, and the weekend before, and the weekend before. Um, just looking at these facts, but it shows that uh, mature black bears can get to be five to six feet tall, mm-hmm. roughly, and can weigh anywhere from 200 to 600 pounds, and that the males are typically about 70% heavier than females. Yeah. Uh, kind of a be a ferocious big animal yeah and the main thing you got to remember with uh, with uh, 
bears in general is don't get between mama bear and her cubs. Um, I got a, a buddy of mine that could tell a good story. I'll save that story for him when he comes on. I'm sure he would love to tell that. So we did a little bear hunting today. Kyle, you want to pitch in with a story? It doesn't have to be bears, but... Well, just going along that whole fact of not getting in between the uh, mama bear and the cubs. I had a, the first time I went out on my first real big boy hunt, I, uh, we went to this big camp. It was out of uh, Chesnimmons. Well, with my dad, my cousin, my uncle, and my grandpa. And uh, we were out walking, me and my dad. We actually ended up finding a bag of weed called Treadhead. <laughs> Just out in the woods. Here you go. Must Just, be definitely, definitely in Oregon. <laughs> and this is probably probably about eight years ago, ten years ago now. And uh, so around 2012, 2010, somewhere around there. Yeah, actually, I guess it would be a little longer than that. It was, it was probably closer to 2007, 2008. Um. So we found that, had a good laugh about that. I wasn't supposed to know what that stuff was. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but later on in the hunt, we're sitting there, and my dad walks on by. I think I stopped to take off my big jacket I had. And uh, took it off, started walking again, and then all of a sudden there's a doe and her two, two little babies there. The two little babies are like, oh, what's this over here? So they start kind of playing, running through the little marsh that's right next to us. And mom's over there just staring because she's no, she knows what's up. And we're, we're deer hunting. Um, and so she's kind of like, okay, kids, time to go. They start getting a little closer and we just both sit there. We're sitting there watching them. And uh, they get a little closer again. And then you can start hearing the mom kind of snort. Snorting. Yeah. Yeah, like, did you Did you say, hey, bear? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, bear. Hey, bear. uh, So they're getting closer and closer. And finally, they get probably 30 feet, 40 feet from me. Oh, yeah. So they're right in there. And mom's really starting to get pissed and starting (laughs) to kind of kick up some dirt. And I'm like... All right, enough's enough. Like, we spent probably 20 minutes just watching them, let them get close to me. And finally, I was like, I can tell mom's getting irritated. And so I got up, and they kind of got spooked and ran off. But it's just, it doesn't matter what it is, bear, deer, elk. Once you see them, you know, mama and baby, better make sure you know where you're at because uh Blackened. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a spooky I, feeling. It really is. I have not been in that situation, but I could only fucking imagine. It's it's amazing how, because you're, you're watching how intense that could be. You're watching something that's so innocent out in nature, but then you also get this feeling like I'm in danger. Yeah, but you're enjoying <laughs> it because it's yeah. something you don't get to see every day. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And so you're like, okay, do I the what do I do here? Because you want to see how close you can get. Or not not how close you can get, but how close yeah. they will get to right. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's one of those spooky feelings that you'll never get over if you're an avid hunter. 
or someone that enjoys going out. You're gonna remember. You're gonna remember that feeling for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. You know what's always amazing is uh, when you are out in the woods. You can always kind of tell when you're being stalked by a predator. You go just get that unsettling sixth sense kind of in the back of your head, like man, something's eyeing my neck. I don't know what it is, and then about you know a couple hours later, when you kind of come back over a spot if you're hunting in one general area, and then you kind of see a paw print, and you go. Oh, yeah, there is a cougar out here or uh, those kinds of things. Because out over in Eastern Oregon, I've had quite a few run-ins with them out there and stalked quite a bit when we're out there because there's really nothing out there to push them away out in the woods because uh, it's a draw tag unit. and For spring bear? Like for, for, well, for, for deer and For elk, deer and elk, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and... Uh, so there's not a lot of traffic going through there. It's basically farmers and cattle. It's about the most interaction that those animals have out there pretty much year round until there's a couple hunters that come out. And um, So there's quite a few that run around out there. It's always a fun feeling when you know that or when you wake up in the morning and you see the mud tracks across your uh, cabin porch and you go, yeah. <laughs> what time did they come through? Because I went to bed at midnight and I woke up at four, so uh, <laughs> door locked. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay, moving along. So we got one, we got a story from Kyle, we got a story from Mark, and Brad, give us a, give us a story you got. Um, Doesn't have to be about bears. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think if, if we're sticking to the topics of predators and kind of that eerie feeling while you're out in the woods <laughs> since we're on that. Uh, well, yeah, we can go that way. You, you do I, a lot do a lot of hunting in, uh, with that, that it would be northeast, northeast Oregon, yeah, where Oregon. we have uh, wolves starting to uh, make a presence. Yeah. yeah. Got a story on that, too. So, out there, the ones you have to really watch out for is if you do happen to come across a black bear, I haven't really seen too many out in the woods, but... Uh, you know, the entire trip out there, you see them running along the highway and through the valleys and draws when you're supposed to be watching the road, but you're glassing for animals to, you know, that you wish that you could kill out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, cougars are pretty pretty dominant out there, especially because there's a lot of cattle ranches out there. And mm-hmm. yep. like I said, there's really not a, the Enterprise Oregon doesn't have a huge population. And so the only people that are after the cougars are those farmers and they're only shooting them if they're in the area and if they happen to see them. The uh, other ones, like you said, wolves are starting to become pretty pretty prominent out there. Uh, you don't really come across them in the daytime, but usually as soon as you get to dead wood and it's dark outside, and you know, usually between 10 and midnight, you'll be sitting and all of a sudden you'll just hear a piercing howl mm-hmm. through the dead cold air and it's totally fine when you can hear them and they're like a mile away mm-hmm. <laughs> like that sound that sounds great out in nature and it sounds like it's not interfering with what i'm doing it can just stay over there and neither one of us can have an encounter with each other and not have to be put in a situation to have to do something you don't want to when it comes to a wolf hey it's me um so welcome my wife this this is my wife Caitlin. If you can hear her on the podcast. Okay, we're kind of busy. You're gonna have to edit this part out in case you're wondering. Okay, that's fine. Oh, there's no. That that, that this could, is 
That real could, that that couldn't recording. wait. Forty-five minutes? You're killing me. All right. Absolutely. Okay. As long as the gender reveal doesn't involve fireworks, I think everyone will be here. <laughs> I'm sure no fireworks, right. so we won't have a house. Minimum. Oh shit, the water's Small. Oh, no. Small. Small interruption. <laughs> but yeah, we'll. Wolves, that's definitely going to start being a bigger topic in Oregon than it already has been the past few years. Yeah, especially in this state, they are a protected species. If yep. they are here, you're not supposed yep. to go out looking for them and shooting yeah. them. Uh, most of the packs that are recorded in Oregon that are roaming around Mount Hood and also out in the eastern Oregon and central Oregon, uh, a couple of them are tagged, so yeah. those colors that they have on them are pretty sophisticated yeah, we, pieces of machinery that track their movement daily. Uh, yeah, and, and some of those will give off a ping like every two hours, something yeah, like that. Just just to kind of give biologists a uh, a sense of what they're doing and they can identify kill sites when they've been in a certain area for a certain amount of time or a bedding site, mm-hmm. things and, like that. And if those collars aren't pinging movement for more than about 24 hours, especially if it's a male, that's when you start getting people asking questions where they're at and yeah. why they haven't moved. And that's usually when you start seeing uh, OSPs, uh, troopers out there looking for that wolf. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, they want them there. Uh, they don't want them shot. And I'm not educated on if... I, I would assume that wolves had a presence... In Oregon, uh, just I don't know their specific home range that they had before their uh, they were on put on the Protective Species Act. Um, but yeah, we just this year turkey hunting just over the mountain in uh, Womack. We we're turkey hunting and there was wolf track on the ground. Well, and I, I and uh, the, gray, the gray wolf is one that's native to the area. Um, that's been reintroduced. Yeah. And in the 1940s, there was an effort to actually eradicate them completely out of the state, which mm-hmm. was, for the most part, rather successful. Yeah. Um, which, that, which is, in my opinion, is sad because just because you don't like something doesn't mean you need to wipe it off the face of the earth. Right. There's got to be a balance, and in, in a lot of states struggle with, I, I believe Idaho is the only state that has a management system for wolves. Yeah, um, I believe that Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, all three tried to come together and put something together, and Idaho was the only ones that were able to pass that legislation because of it basically came down to wording that Idaho is now able to manage them as a renewable resource, which I think that is perfectly acceptable if more states have a sustainable population that they can be managed properly. You know, there's a lot of people that that don't want that regardless of whether or not they have a sustainable population or not. Yeah, but the the issue here is the fact that they sat here and said, "Oh, there's only there's only three packs, and they're they're way over east." Well, well, and, and then all of a sudden it comes out a few years later that there was actually twenty packs or fifteen packs that, or whatever it was. Whatever it is, I I'm not I don't have the actual numbers, but it comes out a few years later that there was actually more here than mm-hmm. yeah. than they were saying was here. So it's like, okay, what is it? Is it 
just be upfront with us from the beginning. Yeah. At least, at so, least that's how it feels. And, and, and I understand how that could be a hard, a hard thing to put a definite number on. With, well, especially, especially when you have an animal that is continuously trying to find its own area. Like, oh, hey, I'm gonna, I, I can come here and I can hunt. And then they hunt the area and more wolves are in that area and they just continue to expand their range. Not only that, and they don't, and so when you have an animal that is widespreadly moving, it's very hard. And I I believe that wolves will reproduce at an accelerated rate if the area that they're in can handle. Well, not only that, you know, they'll they'll go from litters of you know, like let's say three to five to a litter of eight. Yeah, if they have a sustained, yeah, yeah, you, the same with start, coyotes. You start picking coyotes off. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're going to start producing exactly. more litters because they got to get their numbers up. Exactly. Which to me is the craziest mother nature type. Oh, isn't that thing isn't that crazy? That How you can eradicate, tr- attempt to eradicate an animal, and it just produces more to keep up with. Just that. because, it, what is it? it Hormones that change because yeah. there's less in the pack. Yeah, and and, and and like it's. I believe you're you're. It's insane. Yeah, I believe you're going down the right road there. With they somehow their their nature, they know that they can produce more animals to, or they can produce more offspring to rebuild the pack. To rebuild the pack, they they know somehow that it can sustain. Well, a certain amount of animals, and you know, if too. if they get to a point where mama wolf or coyote is having babies die, somehow their genetics, what it may be, will produce less if if mom can't feed herself. Type so, and it, the the whole numbers game too comes down to the pack. So if the pack is a small one, we'll try and get the numbers up. Yeah, but they actually. In a sense, fight over territory with other yeah. packs. Yeah. So just like how they have their entire hierarchy set up, where there's yeah. the alpha, and, yeah. Um, there's also alpha and they have, packs in areas. They have where, a, the home range that they are. That home range is not a small range. No. Either. Considering the fact that they typically travel on average twelve plus miles in a day, they have a huge roaming capability. I think some of them are about a hundred mile radius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Um, I've actually I went ahead and pulled up some wolf facts since we switched over to that for you guys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So uh, kind of going back to that eradication part, the effort to get rid of wolves in Oregon started in the, around the 1840s. Uh, in 1843, the wolf bounty was the first official bounty that was placed on them in the state. Uh, you could get a $5 state bounty, and you could also get the Oregon State Game Commission bounty of $20. So... Uh, the eradication effort was huge and successful. That that was a uh, that actually went into place in 1913. Before that, there's a lot of people trying to eradicate them because they're taking out their livestock, they're threatening their livelihood, and you could also, you know, if you're a trapper, if you could get a wolf, that's a pelt right there plus mm-hmm. meat and the yep. teeth. So I mean, you know, that was some people's source of income way back then. But the last recorded wolf bounty that was paid out was in 1947. It's crazy. Uh, since 1947 and up, there were slight sightings throughout eastern Oregon and the Lowell Mountains. Mm-hmm. Nobody yep. ever 
really prove it with pictures or anything like that. And that's kind of where they're at still to this day. You know, they've expanded farther than that, but that's kind of oh, where you hear a, that's where that's where you started hearing a lot of the chatter was in that mountain range of the Wallows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they've definitely I, I remember as a kid just driving over Mount Hood. I remember seeing what I thought at the time was a wolf. I was like just as a young kid, I probably wasn't I wasn't older than 13. We're driving down the road and there's well, that's awful big dog. That looks like a wolf. My grandpa's like, oh, there's no wolves around here. I was like, that was a wolf that we just drove by. That had to have been a wolf we just drove by. That was not a coyote. That had to have been a wolf. I've ever seen. But, you know. <laughs> so that reminds me. So I was actually hunting with So this, this was probably late 1990s when I remember this. So I was up hunting with Bob and my uncle and my dad was up there. And me and my dad went off for our own hunt. I don't remember if your dad was up there or not on this one. I can't remember, but we were up there, and me and my dad kind of got turned around. Actually, ended up. What? Your dad turned around? No. Ended up where we were supposed to be. <laughs> That's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. <laughs> what tribe are you guys from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we were out there. We're walking down this this one road that we've done before. My dad stopped. I was like, What's that out there? Look at it. Like that. That's that's a wolf. He's like, yeah. So we sat there and looked at it for a while. I mean, that, that thing stood at least that tall. So what is that? Three and a half feet. Yeah, three and a half feet off the ground. My dad's like, all right. Well, when we get back to camp, don't tell everyone we saw a wolf because they weren't supposed to be around here. This was. Um, 2014 now? You have to think about it when you're describing it. Wolves are the biggest in the dog family. Right. That general breed of animal, the wolf is actually considered to be one of the largest in it. Right, and so we're like, okay, let's just not say that we saw a wolf. We'll just tell them we saw the biggest coyote of our life, and we'll show them how big it was. And the first thing we said, yeah, we, we saw a, a, something out there. It must have been a coyote. It was about this big. And we're like, that was no coyote. That was a motherfucking wolf. <laughs> That's a bad mofo right there. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, hey, we didn't want to sound like the dumbasses that said, hey, we saw a wolf, a cried wolf. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you guys confirmed it for us, so thank you. <laughs> Just throw some more facts out there, just so people that aren't as familiar with them or seeing them in person. They range from 40 pounds to over 175 pounds. Um, they they can be rather large machines of muscle. Yeah, and, and you think of it, quite often you can see like a hundred pound house dog. Yeah. Could you imagine another 50 pounds on a dog? Mm-hmm. Take, take a 50 pound, let's just say for size reference, let's, or let's, let's take a 100 pound lab for size reference. You know, typically their head goes to about your waist. Take a 100 pound wolf, it's and you're looking your at elbows. something that's to your elbows and is way stronger oh, than yeah. your dog will ever be because they're just lean and muscle mm-hmm. and just spontaneous energy. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are some crazy animals. 
What's crazier is the people that keep them as pets. Yeah. Which, we, we've got a lady that lives on a road. She's got, I, I don't know exact breed, but it it is a wolf dog, husky type dog. And he is about waist high. You know, she walks him down the road every day. She, she's out there working him. And uh, it's pretty cool to see. You know, I had, when I was a kid, I had a Malamute husky dog. That dog was, well, I have healers now. That dog had ten times more energy than my healers do. And three times their size. And that that dog could it was to the point where we didn't know what to do with this dog. It had so much energy and it could go all day long. And it was really hard to to train a dog like that when you're an inexperienced as a dog owner for a dog that that is like that. You know, you you have to you dog, have to know how to manage. Dogs alone are very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine an animal that has a natural alpha mentality to it. And you have to be the alpha to an alpha. That uh, adds an entire dynamic to training that kind of a dog. Uh, <laughs> Kyle just almost ran into the giant spider. I checked first. Up. That thing is humongous. Yeah, and I don't like spiders. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't like spiders. <laughs> I've been that thing, that, that, thing is, that thing is legs stretched out probably the, the size of a silver dog. Uh, humongous. Sorry, no, that, that, <laughs> that spider's name is Frank. He's keeping all the other bugs out. That's of right. House. So can you guys turn the smoke off, though? Uh, we put in a letter to the governor about the smoke in the area. And uh, we're trying. She's she's trying very hard to get the smoke reduced right now. <laughs> so right now, today is uh, Wednesday, September sixteenth. Uh, we are here in Sandy, Oregon, and we have a very low air quality rating right now because of the fires that are burning within a uh, hundred mile radius of us. So we've got a lot of smoke that is entering the the house here. Over a million acres have burned, basically in a matter of what five oh, we, days, well, five to seven days. I think, uh, yeah, it really no, it really kicked up last Tuesday. Tuesday was the start of that. That's when the wind. That's when the fire down there on the Clackamas River and the wind kicked up and it started going. So I would say the that's fires the probably started last Monday. And somewhere that's, around that's there. That's the one that they deem that they were just going to let burn, right? Yeah. No. no, no, <laughs> no. That Which one, one is that? So the Riverside fire is actually, it was man-made, uh, human-made, whatever, yeah. human-caused. Um, so it, it could have been anything from a campfire to, I mean, who knows? They, they there know there, there was reports of one fire that was caused by drag chains. Uh, you know, I think it was the, the cavemen rocking, knocking the, rocks together. Yeah, the, the, the Neanderthals came out. fire, whatever you guys call the it. The breacher fire, whatever it is, <laughs> out there in... Detroit. Uh, that one Wait. actually started back in uh, August from lightning, and they were just letting it burn, and then uh, just let it burn, let it burn, and then weather pattern changed, and they never did anything about it. It was staying hovering around. I think it started out as like ten acres, just kind of hovering at that. They just let it burn, and we got that east winds that are dry here in this area and they were ripping we had almost two days straight of 30 mile per hour winds with gusts up to almost 50 at times Mm -hmm. and uh, that just ripped that thing 
which then caused the Riverside fire to take off and that burned, what was it, 17 miles in one day? Something like that, yeah. Over 120,000 acres. Wednesday. in Wednesday. 120,000 acres in like three, four days, something like that. Yeah. And then we have another one that's more south from us, Saniam Dyer. Then we got a few other small ones throughout the state. Yeah, those folks down in southern Oregon, they got got hammered really hard. Altogether, we're we're over a million acres burned in Oregon this year. So uh, the other day, I drove on the other side of the mountain to Womack, and the air quality over there was exactly the same as it was here. So from what I know, pretty much the whole entire state of Oregon and most of Washington has been just decimated with smoke for um, for basically a week now. I believe I just heard that the smoke has finally reached is it Asia that's the next closest continent over there? Well, well I think uh, it depends on depends which, on where you're standing, I guess. Well, and it also, <laughs> from, us. Yeah, from, so, from from the state of Oregon, I, I believe I, I believe Russia is probably the closest. Technically, yes, but with the airstreams, we're looking at yeah. Japan and yeah. uh, that general area. The, is what the we islands. Share the, yeah. the, the, the Asian airstreams with. Now, so, I'm not a meteorologist or an air specialist, but I've dabbled. Um, <laughs> Feels like it's going to rain today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my knee <laughs> my, yeah, my knee hurts. I think it's going <laughs> to rain tomorrow. <laughs> the. Uh, the uh, at this point, too, with the current systems offshore, it's actually sucking in all the wind or all of the smoke that has been generated, and it's pulling it into the next system that's on its way in. So it's actually going to circulate right back yeah. into the west coast here. Um, it's El Nino, I tell you. Yeah, it was, it was El Nino. I never heard they, of it. They did say it reached Asia. The yeah. Smoke yeah. I, I believe this year was considered an El Nino year. I don't know. I, I remember that for the last three years. I, I, I remember. <laughs> do you remember the time. first? Do you guys remember the first time hearing about El Nino? It, it was like I was like eventually comes yeah. true. I, I want to say it was like the mid '90s when we first the first time I remember hearing about El Nino. So is El Nino? El, El Nino. I thought it was El Nino. No, El Nino. <laughs> Wife wrangling children. Doesn't help that I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm hyping them up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, just to kind of give everyone a quick, quick crash course lesson on an El Nino, it's when warmer than average temperatures across the state, and particularly in the Cascades, which is where we're at, is it's basically that change right there, just yeah. warmer than average temperatures and that obviously affects what we have for wind yeah exactly um trying to pull up a little bit more Um, but those warmer winds do definitely fuel a lot of yeah and and we kind of have that kind of average of like four mild winters and then we'll have one stupid ridiculous three months of snow in the valley because it was about and, you know, eight because because usually storm, and i think we had another one at 12. Yeah. yeah yeah 2008 was 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 the last big snowstorm we had that that was snowstorm for a week or a couple days and it put 
three feet of snow in Portland, and then that was a fun. Time. It was still was... cold, so it didn't <laughs> melt, and then it we lost maybe like a foot of snow, and then it dumped another foot on it, and then it was oh, it was just well, a complete great time to be in high school. Show. I, was saying, that was I, I wasn't in high school. I was I was working down on Powell Boulevard, and you were you that were was yeah, I was working. That was. Yeah, the, uh, that was seven days a week, twelve to sixteen hour days. Oh my goodness gracious, it was, it was rough. That that is what we call the uh, Leshwap busy season. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that was a heck of a winter storm. We had that other one that was in two thousand and ten too that followed up just within two years that was basically just as bad that shut the whole city down and that was over the course of what five days total yeah something I mean, like that. The, the entire city well everywhere across Oregon anything from the coast all the way through the Portland metro and up to the mountains became just a, a massive giant gridlock in a matter of seven hours yeah that thing just dumped the National Guard was deployed and they were getting stuck with their Humvees and I mean you had all of Portland's resources lost no. Yeah, and and uh, so now I'm wor- I'm working even farther down in Portland now. In uh, 2017, I think it was 2017. We had a good. Uh, I think we only had a couple of days of actual snow on the ground, but the cold air only lasted like a month. So that to me is that's kind of like a medium medium type winter for this area but yeah it's crazy so i it's kind of hard because you really want to have like a couple good snow days as an oregonian over on 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 the east side or i'm sorry on the west side but you don't want weeks of it weeks gets old the weeks get old you know you wake up and there's Six inches of snow and it's gone three days later. If you did that just like a couple, if if we got that just like a couple times throughout the winter, okay, yeah, that was that was enough, enough snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me about it. It sucks to have to work that. Yeah, yeah, be being a a, a road worker, you you gotta love having those kind of days. Oh, where yeah. the whole state, the whole area depends on guys like you keeping the roads open. We sit there and. It's looking good, looking good, and the next thing you know, it's snowing like a blizzard, and you're like, I'm off in like two hours. So much for that. Yeah, so much for that. And then you get the people that are like, ooh, let's go have some fun. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. All right, so getting getting back to the, the hunting theme. <laughs> we, we rabbit hole for a little we bit rab- We rabbit, yeah, we definitely went into the weeds on that. So, uh, Mark, you want to... Tell us about your uh, your first hunting experience this year of turkey hunting. You want to tell us how that went? Give us a play-by-play of how things went. I can't really give you a play-by-play because I don't remember it very well. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell it since you can't remember it and I do. <laughs> <laughs> remember <laughs> like it was yesterday. Typical children. Typical child. He'll, he'll remember the details when he gets older, but right now they're still fuzzy. So this this spring was your first turkey season. Yep. How did you enjoy turkey hunting? Oh my god, I loved it. You loved it. Hooked. It was amazing. Just hooked, right? Our guide 
my well, he, grandpa's friend. He wasn't really a guide. He was more of a uh, an assistant well, than a I, guide. I kind of pictured him as you a guide. You pictured him as a guide. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. That's respectful. Yeah. I, I, so I like that. he took us on a piece of land that was... So we had, oh. we had permission from a landowner that uh, enjoys letting youth come out and attempt to harvest a turkey on his property. So we got permission... To go on this property. Yes. We went out there opening morning. Before daylight. Like you do. Mm. No gobbles. Nope. Not a right. single. Bye, noises. Here, I'll pull, push, whatever. Oh, no, he's got it. Sorry, we're plugging the computer in so Brad can continue fact-checking for us. It's your hour over there. Yeah. So, back... It's our first day. Yeah. It's, this, is, this is the pilot, so you're going to have to bear with us. We're working out the kinks. So, so we go out, not really hearing any gobbles, so we knew we weren't in a, a roosting area. But we got to the top of this landowner's... Well, we weren't on the top, but we, we, got, got, half, we, we, got, we got pretty good ways up the hill. We were breaching and, the summit. And uh, we looked down into another guy's field, and there the was... Neighbor, the neighbor's field. The neighbor's field, and there was huge turkeys. Oh my goodness, huge turkeys, he says. So there was probably like... Seven to eight turkeys down there. We could tell one of them was a tom. Yes. And uh, just really not responding to any calling. We were, we were pretty high up, so they may not have just been able to hear us from how far. They, they were probably a good, good 500 yards from us. And it was kind of windy that morning. It, it was, yeah, we had a little bit of wind. Go, we go down there and try to, try to call them over the fence line because... Uh, we didn't have permission to hunt the neighbor's property. Yet. Yet. So uh, we end up backing out of that property and then going up to a uh, piece, piece of national forest. And we were, what, maybe 50 yards from, from the road? Yeah. And we let out a call. And then there was a gobble? Instant gobble. Just screamed at us. We're like, okay, Can we're... Can you give us an example of what that sounds like? Uh, <laughs> boo! If you have not experienced turkeys in the wild gobbling, it is got to be the next best thing to a bull bugling. It, Secondly, though, it is also one of the scariest things if you aren't expecting it and they're right behind you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, But yeah, in my opinion, it is the second best best noise you can hear in the woods to an elk bugling it definitely gets your adrenaline oh it gets the heart thumping a little bit so we move down a little bit try to get a little bit closer and they busted us yes they busted us we came right like we were at least maybe i think chris was like maybe 25 yards from a hen and and a hen of course when you're turkey hunting a hen's gonna pop you if you're if you're gonna get popped by something it's going to be a hen finding you because those those turkeys they those toms they love to send a hen down if they've got a hen with them to investigate what's this hen over here doing why is she not in the group type deal well it seems like most of these pack animals that run around the the females always have a role that are not just nurturing to bring up the youth but they're also kind of the first line of defense 
yeah. in a fence for scouting. I mean, deer, elk, all of them are very similar in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Where there's always there's always one that's always the one that's got its head on a swivel looking for the predator. Yeah. Wait, I never thought that deer would send like a female after. Not 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 so much. Not as not so much like deer, elk. but elk. Well, elk have like a lead cow. Depending on where you're at and how many deer run together, in Eastern Oregon they tend to roll around anywhere from a small group of three up to twelve, and hmm. sometimes more. Depending, d- d- depending on what time of year, whether you're in the rut or not, or definitely around the rut, one buck can have eight doe following oh, yeah. it, and those things will fan out and make a big circle, and they're all. The, he will literally sit in the middle of all of them and yep. just have he'll be king. Yep. And they'll all just literally be there watching for predators, grazing. But yeah, it, when it comes to turkey, they send scouts. No, yeah. Elk, there's always that that lead cow that there's that everybody's worried about. That everybody everybody's worried about. It's very difficult. Got to stay away from that lead cow. Get that bull out. Once, but yeah. once the lead cow sees you, if it's archery season, you can't get within eighty yards of that pack. Yeah. Period. So. So we get busted by the hen, and they go flying over the canyon. Yep. And we probably chased that Tom around, had him going. He's just gobbling at us, but won't come to us for probably, no, it was probably a good two hours. Oh. Probably a good two hours. So we finally get to the point where we know that this Tom is not coming to us. He's got hens with him. He's perfectly content. He wants us. He wants the hen noises that we're making come to him. He doesn't want to go to it. So we end up backing out of there, and we ended up. We were headed to another piece, and we saw turkeys in Leon's field. Yep. Went back to Leon's house, parked. Walked around the hill. Walked around the hill. Made made a move. Got set up. First setup we had. They weren't coming, so we decided to get a little closer. And then all I saw was Chris's head go down. Telling you to get down? And I was like, what is it? What is it? So then we moved down a little bit, and there's the turkey that you're going to shoot. Walk us through what you remember of that. Oh, my gosh. I just took what I remembered. And I thought, I can't shoot them in the heart because they're not a four-legged animal. Uh-huh. So where are you aiming? I aim right at his head. Right at his head. You put the front bead... On his forehead. On yes. his forehead. So typically that's a little bit high. Remember, you want to shoot just at the base of the neck is going to be your best bet. Because you were probably 25 yards away. Yeah. But you rolled him. I First shot. Him. Boom! I unloaded it, and I was you so did not unload it. You shot one time, son. I said I unloaded. Oh, you unloaded. So we started shooting, oh. right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you shot, and then you loaded another. Yeah. Cause okay. I okay. Now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. I was like, "What are you talking about? Me. Unloaded that? You didn't unload that gun. You shot one time, kid. Kill him, because Smalls." Because Chris told me that typically they get back up and run. Yes. So I was like, "So you? Oh so my you gosh, shoot? I load again? You shoot?" You rolled him. You reloaded. Yes. Chris takes off running. Trips over something. He rolls himself. <laughs> we finally get to the bird. And he's still flapping. He's still flapping. Chris puts his head on his neck and breaks his neck. Break. I was thinking. Kind of, kind of, just puts him out of his misery yeah, right then and there, and just kind of get it over with. You know, I was kind and of. And then you got your first bird. 
an Ozzy Osbourne situation where you walk up and just rip the head off the teeth. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> Definitely did not, not. happen. <laughs> not, not, not happen, huh? Not happen, no. no. So you got your first bird. Yep. Little Jake, little little one-inch puffer on him. And I thought that was the coolest thing so. ever. So. Oh, my God. So we, uh, we get him back home. We do all our grip and grins. And we did... I think we did a breast. Uh-huh. Did a breast. We soaked it in did butter. Did we? No, we, I think we just did one of the breasts. Mm. Yeah, I think we just did one of the breasts. Soaked it in buttermilk for a while. Mm. And then uh, put them in flour. Yep. Fried them up. And Delicious. It, it no. tasted like heaven. Like, because I, it was heaven. I think most people that, you know, might be listening... <laughs> Would want to know which one tastes better, the Thanksgiving turkey or the one that you harvested and soaked in buttermilk? Definitely the one that we harvested would taste a lot better than Thanksgiving turkey. Is that because hard work? Total. Because hard work pays off. Yeah, exactly. and it's a go. and it's a totally different bird, right? And exactly. It's not, a, it's, it's not farm bread. It's not farm bread. It's not a not farm bread today. We huh? we didn't we didn't put him on a scale to see how much he weighed, but we got a good we got a good good amount of meat out of him. He weighed a. Good, probably what it felt like fifty pounds. No, you're, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> Thanksgiving birds about twenty five. He's so, bigger than your dogs. He was probably somewhere between fifteen to twenty it pounds. I'd heavier. say probably closer to fifteen. It felt heavier, but probably. The good news is, is you didn't have a long walk to the truck. Oh no. No. Yeah. But, but uh, we didn't gut him it, right on the spot. Can you, can you we take a fifty pound turkey. I, I'm not bringing a shotgun. Just that a thing. big old fucking rope dragger. <laughs> just, just <laughs> he's got big old thighs on him. He's dragging his string all the way down the ground. <laughs> yeah, turkey leg. Definitely I, I definitely don't exactly. think you're going to get a fifty pound wild turkey. I think size. I was just exaggerating. Yes, I think you were. Because it, because it this was a long day. This is one of those fishermen's tails. So by noon you had your first bird, and uh, your dad still has not shot one, uh-huh. despite my efforts. You know, I still haven't got one either. Granted, I've only got a handful of times. That's now, I've shot some out of season, but that's illegal. <laughs> Never been. That. Never been? Never been turkey hunting? I, I tell you, turkey hunting has got to be... It's a rush. The funnest thing. Well, it's well, it's a lot of hard work, like elk hunting, and the reward is not the same. What's better? But it is right it is when you get into a bird goblin at you, it is a complete adrenaline rush. Dad, what do you think's better, elk hunting or turkey hunting? Elk hunting. Uh, well, it depends on what you're after. Like say, Exper- after. experience wise. I love both of them. I just love hunting in general. Okay. Obviously, you're not going to get as much meat from a turkey, but it is just as fun. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna move to wrapping it up. Kyle, you got anything for the road? No. Mark, got anything mm-hmm. for the road? Brad. You know, all I can say is stay tuned. Is this is just the pilot? We start getting some more information rolling through, little more solidified topics, and we start getting some more stories in here. Perfect. All right. So, uh, yeah, hunting's fun. We talked about a lot of, a lot of stuff today, and uh, had a good time. And uh, stay tuned, f- and we'll see you on the horizon.